Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. You know, transformed literally means to change from one form to another. Uh, we basically, our word metamorphosis, which means that, comes from a Greek word. And, and metamorphosis is a transition, a transformation from one thing to another. Now, remember, we've been talking about this a couple of weeks now. Real change starts where? Starts on the inside. God changes us from the inside out. We talked about a transformed heart, and that's where it starts. He gives you a brand new heart, a new life. Through Jesus Christ, you become a new person. And we're so grateful. He died in our place, died so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be brought back in the right relationship with God and Jesus Christ be our Savior and Lord. And home in heaven, that is starting from the heart, and that's where God starts, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. Transformed heart. Then we move to transformed thinking. The Bible talks a lot about renewing your mind. It's important that once you have uh, received Christ, following Him as your Savior, that, that there's a, a process that begins then to where your, your mind, you know, you're saved and forgiven, but this mind still sometimes is kind of stuck back in the old life and the old world and back where you were. Yeah, and it may not necessarily mean it's as bad things that, you're say, that you've said all the time. It just means you've been saying things that are contrary to what God says. You've been having the same vocabulary as the world system. And God wants to bring us from that until the, to the vocabulary of people that are members of the kingdom of God. Yes? Yes? And so we, we, we talk differently. He's not holier than thou and using King James English and all that stuff. But he, he transforms. He transforms how we think. How we think. Uh, and then, of course, another important part of transformation is transformed words. He transforms words, our language. And so often people try to resolve these problems once they begin their Christian life. They try to resolve these problems just by simply... Uh, making a set of rules of do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs, and trying to live the best life you can. Now, it's extremely important that our, that our goal is to live a godly life, to live a, a life that is um, noble, to live a morally good and decent life. But, you know, that doesn't come from religion. And, and that genuinely does not come from outside change, make sure change where you just, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you have, if you have a cancer or a deep wound or sore and you put a Band-Aid on it, it may look a lot better. It may look okay, but there's still a serious problem there that can only be healed from the inside out. We've traveled to different places over the years. We've gone to different places where they've set up these things like uh, movie sets and you come and you walk down the street and they have these entire towns that are built up, beautiful buildings on the outside on the exterior, beautiful buildings. And you walk up to them. They're magnificent. And you open the door and there's nothing behind them. It's a facade. It's a front. And many times people, even Christians, try to live their life based upon establishing some type of facade 
exterior behavior, outside behavior, when there's still some needs, some emptiness, some things on the inside that can only be changed by allowing the Lord to do what he wants to do inside our hearts to transform us from the inside out. That's how you and I are called to live as believers. And it all starts by experiencing God's grace. We know that God's grace is defined often as unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. In other words, that, uh, when we look at grace that way, it's you can't earn it and you'll never deserve it. Amen and amen, that is true. That's why we call it grace. But grace is so much more than unmerited favor. Because you see, grace is, it, it's grace that pardons us, but it's also the power of his grace that sustains us, that keeps us. It's the power of his grace that changes us, and it's God's grace that empowers us to live the way he's called to live. Oh my, we need a, a full and complete and continual work of God's grace in our life because if God's grace is at work in your life, you can't stay the same. You will not stay the same. Things change. You will change and it'll be a good change. Now, remember, as we've said before, transformation is a process. I use the word pep, two, three little letters, P-E-P, that, when, uh, that there was a process leading up to a time when you received Christ as your Savior. There was a process. Someone prayed for you. Someone shared the gospel with you. You were in church and heard the teaching of the gospel. Whatever happened, uh, maybe some things really messed up in your life and you just called out for help and you realized that he's your only help. And, and there's that process that brought you to the point, I need to come to Christ. I need to surrender my life to him. That's the only answer. I'm not prepared to live this life. I'm not prepared for eternity. I need Jesus Christ in my life. And when that happened and you moved out in faith and you believed that, immediately the Bible says, like dynamite, you were saved. You became a new creature, saved. You'll never be any more saved. God has forgiven you. You are a brand new creature in Christ is what the word tells us. But that's not the end of the story. That's why they call it the new birth. It, it, there's, you know, when you're born, there's something in the natural process of when you begin, that's when you really begin to grow and develop as an individual. When you're born of the Spirit, come to Christ, that's the beginning of your Christian journey, of your spiritual journey. And folks, it's supposed to be progress, P-E-P. Process, encounter, and then you begin to make progress. You begin to grow. You begin to go forward in your faith. You begin to, to learn to be at a different level in your faith and level in the word and, and different place in your prayer life. And God builds some things into your character. All these things happen as you are discipled and as you learn, as you grow and become more like him because that's what discipleship is all about, right? To become more like him. But it is a process and it takes time and it takes effort. But when it comes to experiencing real change in our life, one of the key elements is, having our, is, is dealing with our words, our communication, what we say. Our words need to be transformed. We need to look at what we say. Listen carefully to what we say. You know, you can tell a lot about people uh, by the language they use, can't you? It's amazing. Uh, by the way they talk, you can tell a lot about people. Words can identify you. They reveal things about you. I mean, it's like we're traveling somewhere and uh, 
you know, I, I went to college and graduate school and all those things, and I was uh, in that group with people from all over the world and different dialects and different things, uh, people from different parts of the country. And then I pastored for a number of years up in Kentucky, which Kentucky's kind of a borderline state. Most of the people I knew in Kentucky like to be counted as a part of the South. And, but it's kind of borderline there, and there is a Kentucky dialect. There really is. If someone says Louisville or Louisville, they do not, they are, they are not speaking Kentucky dialect. It is Louisville. It is, oh, if you're from Kentucky, it is Louisville. And so they're, they're, they have their own dialect, their, their own language there. It's, and, and it's not really what we would define as Southern. But how many of you know there is a Southern language? Y'all know that? There is a, I mean, we can take a one-syllable word and make a three-syllable word out of it. We can. We can do it. And the southern dialect is, is so interesting. If you've been traveling out, I don't know about you, I guess probably through school and living in different parts of the country, I kind of, for years, was away from the deep south dialect, and so I think I began to pick up, and that's what you'll do, I began to kind of pick up on, on uh, kind of a Midwest type of language. My words maybe didn't draw, and we were not such a drawl, and didn't want to know so But you know, after I moved back to the South here for a long time, I found that I, I could just, just slide right back into that and be Southern. But you can be out somewhere, and it's happened to me, but it's really happened to Deb at times when we've been out, and people come, oh, I just love to hear you talk. You're from the South, aren't you? And it just shocks her. I didn't know I talked like I was from the South that much. But Southerners have dialects. They really have. We have our own accents. Uh, I mean, I, just think about it. We have, we do have our own language. Uh, what does it mean? Uh, as all get out. What does that mean? I mean, it's, it's a, man, that's just, it's all get out. Full as a tick. That's not a northern term. I reckon like a chicken with its head cut off. Uh, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Those are good, so, that's southern language. And we don't put G's on in the words. We, we're talking, we're walking, we're fixing to. Uh, and, and that's just the way it is. Now, that dog will hunt. And, and you know, it'll stick like hair in a biscuit. There are just certain things that are part of a southern dialect, right? Cattywampus, whooping. We know what those things mean. We know. We don't need an interpreter. Uh, uh, one that our, my dad's favorite that he used all the time, it's a, I'm as fine as frog hair split three ways. It's just there are some things that are southern dialects. As, you know... But as someone once said, there are those who just make fun of the South, but you notice there's very few people that ever retire and move up North. <laughs> Often people will adapt to the language around them, won't they? If you have children and they're hanging out with other kids, won't they often adapt their language, especially the things you don't want them to say? It happens. I have those people I worked out in construction for a number of years. And, and when you get out on the job in the workplace, many of you know that, working in, out in different places and uh, businesses, you know that, and, and unfortunately it's become worse in recent years, that the amount of profanity, used to be primarily men, now it's men and women. Women can be right up there with the best of them when it comes to profanity. And, and there seems to be no real conscience about it. Uh, you just do it. And, and I've noticed over the years that even if this was not a part of your regular language, if you started hanging out with people that it was part of theirs, then I've noticed that the amount of profanity and cursing will increase because you, you adapt their way of talking. I mean, that's just the way it seems to work as far as words and conversation. Uh, 
I've noticed that young people, especially young girls, uh, oftentimes like have their own like dialect that is like different, like they're always like using the word like over and over, like in their talking. <laughs> we all have our dialect. Now, I, I, I came across this study that was extremely interesting. It said, we, and I get this, if you're born, if you're born healthy, uh, if you're born in, in a way to, that uh, you have the natural abilities of hearing and, and, uh, and, and speech, it says we are born capable of both producing and perceiving all of the sounds of the human language. When you're born, you're born with the capability of perceiving and, and producing or saying all sounds, regardless of what country or dialect it is. But as a baby, as a child begins to learn those sounds that are important to his or her language, they begin to disregard those that are not. And that's why you brought up with a particular language, you brought up with a home that speaks Spanish, a child is going to learn to speak Spanish and, and French, English. They will. Why? Because they, another good term is they call out. And so they call out words and they receive it, they perceive and begin to use and know words that are used in their life, in their language, in their family, but the other ones are ignored. They are foreign to them. And so that's kind of what happens in the process of, of, of language. Uh, the, and, and you know, how many of you know, the older you get, the harder it is to learn the sounds that are a part of a different language. That's why he said, teach, learn how to speak another language when you're young. Now go with me to James chapter 3. Just look for a few minutes at some things I think that are vitally important when it talks about seeing our language, our words transformed. James chapter 3, verse 2. These are strong words that are written concerning the use of the tongue, or words. Beginning with the last part of verse 2 says, If anyone does not stumble in words, in the words he speaks, he is a perfect or complete mature person, able also to bridle the whole body. In other words, if you control your tongue, you can control other aspects of your life. A large horse is guided by, verse 3 to 4 tells us, a large horse is guided by a bit in its mouth. A huge ship is, can be turned from one place to one direction to another by a small rudder. And then in verse 5 we pick up and says, in the same way. Now what, then that's referring back to in the same way. In the same way as a horse is the same way as a large ship. It only takes something, it takes something very small that, can, uh, if you, it, that will direct its path. It will change its course. And he says, that's the way the tongue is. It's very small. It's a very small member of the body. A very small thing, verse 5. And it'll make grand speeches. And, uh, the uh, King James says it's a little member that boasts great things. In other words, the tongue is, is, is instrumental and, and powerful in directing our lives. Uh, verse 6 says, it only takes a spark to set off a forest fire. A careless, a careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. In the message paraphrase it says a careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do exactly that. By our speech we can turn the world, uh, we turn uh, harmony to chaos, throw mud on reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pits of hell. Then in verse 7 he says people can tame all kinds of animals but no man 
No one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises the Lord, our Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. In other words, this is not right for this to happen. Verse 11, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same source? Understood answer, no. No. So this tells us, uh, this explains to us how the tongue, how our language how the words we use that may seem very small are powerful in our lives. They direct our lives and they should not send mixed signals and they should be words of blessing and not of cursing. They should be words that honor the Lord and not defame or dishonor the Lord. Folks, an uncontrolled tongue is inconsistent with a life that pleases God. But it says... In these verses it said, you know, a man can tame any kind of animal, but the tongue he cannot. So is it a hopeless situation? No, it's not hopeless. Why? Because he's saying humanly it's impossible. You might, humanly you may have the ability to train animals, to discipline, to direct. But humanly possible, in your own strength and ability, you cannot make up your mind that I'm always going to say the right words and I'm going to control my tongue. I will, you might make up your mind to do it, but you will fail. Why? Because it has to come from the inside. Why? Because the Holy Spirit must work inside to transform what we say. We cannot conquer. We cannot control. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, and with the word of God in our lives, we can see our language transformed. You can control your tongue. You can have a disciplined tongue to say the right things at the right time for the right reason. <clears throat> now, excuse me. Uh, it's important. What we say not only affects others, it affects us. Now, why is it so important? Transform words. Words. Why is it so important? It, it, first of all, words are powerful. Words are powerful. Words, we could say... Uh, are forceful. A word has force with it. God created the heavens and the earth. How? By his words. He spoke them. He spoke them. And by speaking them, there's the power. The power of God is seen in the creation. He spoke. He said, let there be light. And there was light. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that his word is alive and powerful. Proverbs 18.21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus said my words, they are spirit and they are life. Words are powerful. People say, well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. An absolute lie. That is a lie. Words, how many of you, words can hurt, can damage. Your words can help or hurt, they can tear down or disappoint, destroy, or they can build up, encourage, and bless. Words are powerful. Secondly, words are like seed. Words are seed. They're seeds that you plant. The Bible says that, you know, that in our life we should know that there will always be springtime and harvest in this life. 
It's a part of God's design, His creation. And this is a kingdom of God, a KOG principle of seed time and harvest and of sowing and reaping. It is simply true. God designed it that way. And we can look at the beginning of this in our life from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. It says, For you have been born again, Peter writes to the believers there. He says, For you've been born again, that is, reborn from above. Get this. You've been spiritually transformed and renewed and set apart for his purpose. It didn't happen. Not of the seed which is perishable, but this happened because of the seed which is imperishable, immortal. That's through the living and everlasting word of God. In other words, you and I were born again by the incorruptible seed, the word of God. The, Jesus told a lot of parables that, about, about farming, farming situations and experiences. And one of the best known ones where he talks about a sower that goes forth and he sows seed. And some fell on this ground, some on this and this and this. And that's for other days. We talked about that a lot. But, but the principle is that, that when seed is sown, that seed must be received. It must be taken. It must be nourished. It must be, you listen to it. You, you respond to it. And what happened when you came to Christ is you heard the word of salvation. You heard about Jesus Christ. You heard what he did for you. And the Holy Spirit took that word, showed you or convinced you or we say convicted you, directed you to the fact that you need this. You need this. You're dead in your sins and trespasses. You need. And when you receive Christ your Savior, that word, incorruptible seed, the word of God, and Jesus is referred to as the word, the word of God, which is incorruptible, the word of God, which is alive, is what worked inside of you to change you, to transform your heart, to become a new person. So when we talk about words or seed, God planted his seed in his life, and his seed is word. And when we allow that seed to be planted in our life, no matter what situation or circumstance we're facing, take the right seed and plant it and you'll receive the right harvest. If you, if you are in a place to where you are seeking the Lord, looking to Him for, for health and strength and, 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 and physical blessing there, then you take the seed in the Word of God that talks about that where God promises healing and promises strength and you read it and you meditate on it and by doing that, you are planting seed down inside of you that will produce those things. If it's an area of financial or other needs, go to the scripture and see what God says about God supplying all your needs and about abundance and go to those and read them and meditate them and claim them as the promises of God. This is not a simple name and claim it. This is believing the word of God Praying and receiving. And the last time I checked, that's exactly what the Word and exactly what Jesus told us to do. But you don't plant one kind of seed and expect a different kind of harvest. As a man sows, that shall he also reap and can reap abundantly. So the wind, reap the whirlwind for some people. So, so it's important for us to know that God's Word is like seed. So if He plants His seed in us and it changes us, here's, here's the thing, here's the thing. When you and I use words. When we speak, we are planting seeds. We are planting seeds that will take root somewhere and will produce something. The question is for us to ask ourselves, 
what kind of seed are we planting? Are we planting doubt? Are we planting fear? Are we planting anger? Are, are we planting greed? Are, are we, what are we planting? What are we planting? And when you plant that seed out there, it affects other people's lives. So when you plant seed, it's important for you to know the word of God that you speak affects you and affects other people. Galatians 6 says, whatever you sow, that will you also reap. This is simply true. So if I'm expecting to receive benefits from this, then I know that death and life are in the power of the tongue, but it says those who love it will do what? They'll eat its fruit. They'll eat its fruit. Those who love to talk will reap its consequences or benefits. Like in healing, Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 16, 24 says, bless that pleasant, kind words are like honey, sweetness to the soul, help to bones. That's good seed, isn't it? That's the kind of words we want to talk, words of healing. Uh, and it says, it's good taste to the soul and quick energy for the body. Your words can tire you out or they can energize you. It's true. Your words that you speak will do that, and the words that you allow yourself to listen to can do that to you. What do you allow to be planted inside of you? Very, very important. Proverbs 15, 4 says, Kind, gentle words are a tree of life. They heal and help, but a deceitful cutting tongue crushes the spirit and wounds. What kind of seed are we planting and what kind of seed are we allowing to be planted in us from words that will produce something inside of us. And, and also we need to see that words are powerful and words are seed, but words also will shape your life and shape your future. So how, how do we come to a place of seeing this transformation in our words? Seeing your words transform. I want to name four things very quickly and look at them with me. Number one, if you want to see your words transform, first of all, fill your heart with the right words. Fill your heart with the right words. It's from the inside out. Luke 6.45 says, out of the, coming out of the abundance or overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in there, going to come out. Jesus says, you're not defiled by what goes in your body. You are defiled by what comes out. That's what defiles. And so he's talking about the importance, the importance of words, the importance of feeding our heart with the right thing so it produces the right thing. So very important. Let God do a work in your life and begin to fill your heart with right words. In other words, Go to the Bible, go to God's Word, and let Him shape the way you think. Let Him develop in you a new mindset. Begin to walk like we're supposed to walk with the mind of Christ, with the attitude of Christ. Let Him do that in your life, and you have to, the only way to do that is get His Word in you. Dwell on what He says. Like something's, you know, how many times have you had something... Uh, an appointment somewhere and you dreaded that appointment. Thank God for good doctors. But I'd rather receive a 
the worst whipping around than go to a doctor. I don't like to go to doctors. I love doctors. Most of them. I say in Christ I love doctors. Some of them don't like very well, but much. But I, I, I don't like to go to doctors. That's why uh, I know it's not wise, but you know when I go to a doctor, usually when they have to haul me there. That's the first time I went to the doctors when they had to put me in the ambulance and take me there. I got, but, but, you know, that could have been avoided. I, I messed up on some things in the year or two before then. But I don't like to go to doctors, but occasionally I will go to a doctor. But if there's any way possible, I'll bump it up two or three months. I'll call in and say, look, I, I don't think this is going to be a good week for me. I'll like to come next month, okay? And I just keep pushing, pushing. Hey, I went two years for my six-month checkup one time. I went a full two years before I went back. And, and I don't really think it made a bit of difference. I really don't. Doctors say, well, you haven't been here in a while, haven't you? I kind of have to introduce yourself. That's, you know, that's, that's kind of how I am. I, and so it would be in my, in my mindset, and in my words, when, that, when I start seeing that day approach, you know, what, you know what's that? Man, I dread it. I dread that. Man, I'll be glad when that's over. I, regardless of what it is, haven't you ever done that? Man, I dread that. I dread that. So how can we begin to see our words transformed that when we're facing situations we're not really looking forward to or maybe difficult situations, uh, maybe we could say instead of saying, man, I dread it, I hate it. Maybe we could say, you know, I believe God gives me favor. I believe that God gives me strength and joy and I'm going to go in confidence that his blessings and favor are upon me and I thank God for that good doctor and for our blessings on him. And you, know, and you have to begin talking to yourself. I mean, try not to do it out in public too much. People, people kind of wonder about you, but you do have to start talking to yourself about these things. I'm, I'm not going to dread this. I'm not going to Complain. I know, just arrows just went everywhere. Like that, you know. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not going to complain or gripe about that anymore. I'm not going to be negative. Look, that's, a good, that's good for us to have that determination to say, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. The change comes to the inside out. Unless you work that in your life, and let you let, unless you let God work that in your life, you're going to make a whole lot of promises you won't keep. I'm not going to argue today, but I'm not a betting man. But chances are you will complain before that stays over. Sometimes it seems like you're opening up the door of the enemy by saying, I'm not going to. And you know there might be some subtle pride there to where instead of yielding to the Lord and saying, God, I just want to please you. You know, it can all be summed up with this. If you and I would determine how to truly devote ourselves and how to see it developed in our life and how to carry it out simply this I will do all things I will say all things all my thoughts Lord I simply want to please you you know that's really all it's about you realize I just let my words please you Lord let my words please you so very important so let's quit confessing the negative let's quit complaining and griping uh, and, and let's begin to say good, positive, Bible-filled things before us. Say what God says about a situation. Now, that doesn't mean that you're oblivious to things going on around you. I know, I know one, uh, one uh, teacher, uh, preacher, that he basically said, I, 
said, I just don't fool with going. I don't listen to any of the news. I don't go television, online, or anything. I just stay completely far. I just don't, I don't know. And basically, he's like he lived in another country. He doesn't know what's going on unless somebody mistakenly walks by him and tells him. He doesn't want that. But look, we live, we're in the world. We're just not of it. And we're in a situation as people to where it's good for you to have some information. But be careful. It's important for you to have factual, true information. But if you allow yourself to read the news every day, to go online and look at all the horrible things, to see all the lies that are being told, and to, to see the, what's going on in the world and the danger that's out there, uh, I mean, that can, that can so take over and control what you think about and what you talk about. So you're not oblivious to it happening. The, the, that you know that's happening in the world. You just know that greater is he than he that's in the world. And you know that, that, understand that Jesus has already defeated the enemy. And you understand that he'll give a peace that's beyond all understanding. And you know that there is much trouble in this world. But Jesus said, don't worry about it. Be of courage. Be a good cheer. I've already overcome the world. Fine. Everything's okay. That's the mindset he wants us to have. Yeah, I see all these things going on. And it's horrible. It's terrible. But I am not going to live in fear. And I'm not going to live in dread. And I'm not going to talk about that junk all the time. Because if you do, it'll drag you down. But instead, you flip that thing around and begin praying over those situations. And praying the solution rather than the answer. My goodness, Pastor Dennis, that's a good word. That's important for you to take that word and buy it. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for your faithfulness. Number one, fill your heart with the right words. Number two, simply pray. Pray for God to help you. What a novel idea. After spending 14 weeks talking about prayer here, what a novel idea. Lord, I'm having trouble with my language, with my conversations, Lord. Well, then pray about it. Now, it's more than just praying about it. We have to re, you know, respond the right way and put it into action in our lives. But <clears throat> don't forget to pray for God's help. The Holy Spirit's your comforter. He's your helper. He's there. Pray like the psalmist prayed in Psalm 141, verse 3. He said, Lord, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Lord, watching. Help me. Help me. The third thing is pay attention to what you say. In other words, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Pay attention to it. Sometimes we just blurt things out and we don't even think about what, what they do. do. Do all of you agree that maybe we should think a little bit more before we say things sometimes? Pay attention to what you say. Watch your mouth. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. And sometimes the best way to watch your mouth is simply to shut up. Now I can say this because all of our little kids are out there. And I got chastised one time when I was going to the scripture. And I said, well, sometimes it's good to shut up. And I got, oh, we don't let our kids say shut up at home. And now the preacher's saying So I kind of got in trouble over that. So I had to discern on that. <laughs> but there's a whole lot worse things said than that in pulpits today. But anyway, shut up. 
I don't get to say that very often, so you just need to. It's, it's, it, I, shut up, it's scriptural. It's scriptural. Sometimes it's just right to be quiet, don't say anything. And let me tell you, it's a good thing it'll protect you. Proverbs 10, verse 19 says, in the multitude of words, using a lot of words, when your words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue, who restrains his lips, is wise. New Living Translation says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Proverbs 10, 19. Sometimes we've got to watch our mouth by just simply Zip it. Zip it. Amen. I was going to go somewhere else with that, but I'll bring it back in. Because truth is, the more you say, the more you have to answer for. We call it foot in mouth disease. So I pay attention to what I say First of all, by aligning my conversation with God's word, I confess what he says. Secondly, I pay attention to my words by learning to govern my circumstances and speak positive, faith-filled words. You can do that. Proverbs 29, 23 says, those who guard their lips and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. In other words, we bring a lot of trouble on ourselves for our words, don't we? Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, you know, if you believe in your heart, you don't doubt, you believe in your heart, you can say to that mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. And whatever you have spoken in faith, whatever... You've spoken in faith. Without doubt, it says that you have it. In other words, it's important for us to see that there's power in the words we speak and pay attention to them because there is power that takes us negatively and there's power that takes us positively. There's power in them. Be careful what you speak about yourself. Be careful about what you say about or to others. Extremely important. little acronym we've used from time to time is the word think, T-H-I-N-K. When you're looking at your words, and I'm not saying get legalistic about this, and before you say anything, you've got to stop and analyze it all because some of us, well, some of us would talk a lot less if we did that, but, but what we do is we get that change on the inside and it just grows and develops in us so that you don't have to stop and think about every word that you're saying and govern over every word you're saying. You're not really afraid about it. Why? Because you filled your heart and life with the right things and that's what will come out. Yes? So, think. Whatever you say, T, ask yourself, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring or encouraging? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? Pretty good little guideline to follow there. And finally, the last thing, transform words. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to help us in it. We must look to the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit is God. We believe God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity, three in one can't really explain it, but we believe it's the truth of Scripture. He's God. We're not. Trinity. And we've seen God revealed in the Scripture. We've seen Jesus revealed in the Scripture. And we've seen the Holy Spirit revealed in the Scripture. 
The Holy Spirit's not talked about too much in the church today. Some people are kind of afraid. The Holy Spirit does some tremendous things in our lives today because, you know, we could say technically God sits on the throne. The Bible says Jesus is the right hand of the Father. And now, since he has gone to be with the Father, he says, I'll go and I'll send the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You know who he is, and he'll testify of Jesus. We say Jesus has come into my heart. Really, that's the work of the Holy Spirit that's come into our life, and we receive what Jesus has done for us. Yes, God is present. Yes, Jesus is present. But in the effective, in, in the, we could say, in the, in the on-site ministry of God today, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Do not ignore him, please. Give him control, yield control to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit in your life. And he'll begin to work these changes in you. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed or transformed into his glorious image. King James says, as we are changed from glory to glory. You see what this is saying? As you yield to the Holy Spirit in your life, open up your life to the Spirit of God working your life, that He'll work transformation inside of you. He'll transform even your language and your words, and it'll be changed from glory to glory. You know what glory to glory is? That's a progressive term. It's not like this. Glory to glory is like this. Glory to glory to glory to glory. And as you are changed from glory to glory, God is doing magnificent things in your life because you're becoming more and more and more like Him. And you're walking in greater and greater and greater blessings. And you're experiencing great favor in your life. And you're learning what it is to live a Christ-like life. And that means in our attitude of our heart, our mind, and in the words we speak. Dear God, help us to see a transformation in our words because God wants us to use words that bless and not curse. Ephesians 4, 29 and 30, we are exalted. The Bible says, let no corrupt words or rotten words proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart, that it may impart grace to the hearers. New Living Translation puts it this way. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear you. Wow, what a difference that would make in people's lives. Colossians 4, 6, the Bible says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Grace. Your language should be a preservative, should help. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response to everyone. Let me close out with this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, Whoever would love life or enjoy life. Now listen to this, listen. Look at this. Whoever will love life, will enjoy life and see good days, must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. If I were to ask a question, and I will ask that question, but if I were to ask you to respond to it, you don't have to raise your hands, but can I ask you this question? How many of you want to live a life where the, a life that you enjoy that's filled with good days? Is there anybody here who just wants to live out the rest of your life in misery? 
I, I, it seems like there's some people like that, but surely there's no one like that. You want to live out a good, long, complete, living out God's will for you. Not leave this place until you've accomplished his purpose and his call on your life. Understanding that he wants to give you good days. Oh, there'll still be some junk going on. You're still going to face some, some encounters of the enemy. They go through some tough spots in life. You just do. But I'm here to tell you there's one who's given you victory in every situation. And a part of that victory is for you and I to learn to control our tongue and see our words transformed in a way that pleases him and lines up with God's word. Amen, amen. amen. You see, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, we all carry a, a loaded gun right below our nose. Now that's probably going to go viral in some places. That pastor said it, something about having a loaded gun. But we all, we all have a loaded gun right below our noses. We call it a mouth. Words can act like bullets. That's why you, people hear the term shooting your mouth off. But you never thought of that, did you? Now, words spoken to you or about you very possibly brought you to where you are right now. But for the grace of God, some people have had such horrible things spoken over them, not just curses, but children that have been brought up by parents that demeaned them, that belittled them, that abused them, that these kids never heard anything positive never heard anything that would help them grow in their confidence, never heard anything that would be, uh, that let them know that they were loved. Man, it marked them. It marked them. But thank God for those that they came to a place to where they experienced the grace of God. No matter what you've heard, what's, what's happened in your life in the past, God has made a way for you to be redeemed, for your life to be changed. Now, there'll still be some ongoing work and transformation. But I've seen so many people that were brought up in horrible situations whose lives were so dramatically transformed by the power of God that the old things passed away and all things became new. But the truth of the matter is that for many of us, we can look back on our past and see how certain things that were said to us or said about us affected our life and brought us perhaps to where we are now. Some of them not so good, some of them good. Your words will take you somewhere. Your words will take you somewhere. Where you are now, very likely, is at least partially a result of what was spoken about you or to you in the past. Now, if that was bad, turn it around today. Ask God to begin to transform that inside of, in, in you. So if that's true, if the past has brought us to where we are in the present, then today is tomorrow's past. That means what you're saying now will help take you where you're going. God transform our words. Guard over our mouths and our lips and help whatever we say bring praise and glory to you, God, and blesses those around us. In Jesus' name, Amen.